Welcome to part three of Arcadis' 2022 International Women's Day Leadership Podcast Series, where we focus on breaking the bias and women and girls leading the charge on climate change adaptation. I'm your host, Donna Adamo, Associate Vice President and Communications Coach here at Arcadis. And joining me are three amazing women as part of our team. We have Malin Dartnell, an industrial water engineer coming to us from Denver. Jessica Gattenby, Sustainable Resilient Remediation Subject Matter Expert, coming to us just from outside Tampa. And also Carly Foster, coming to us from Long Island City. She is an Associate Vice President and Principal Resilience Manager. Ladies, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'd like to begin, Carly, with you. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, what we need to know, and then we'll go to Jessica and Malin. Carly? Thanks a lot, Donna. So hi, everyone. I'm a resilience planner. And what that means is that I work with communities, states, and infrastructure like hospitals and wastewater, as well as private businesses to help them understand and address their risk. Jessica? I am a sustainable resilient remediation lead. And so we help projects that are conducting remediation, which is the cleanup of sites that have been contaminated, find ways to do that more sustainably and more resiliently so that we can improve the outcomes. Malin. Hi, I'm Malin Dartnell, and I'm an industrial water engineer, which means that I help our industrial clients to identify sustainable solutions for their businesses. And I specifically go into my clients' sites and I identify how they use water and I help them find better ways to use water and to reduce their water usage. Well, there's a lot to unpack here and a lot that we can learn from your expertise. And we're going to focus on two things, projects that are led by these women that are impacting climate change and sustainability. And also then we want to focus on a day in the life of what do they do being highly regarded in the STEM field. So Carly, I'd like to start with you as we're trying to improve the environment, meet our goals at Arcadis, the clients meet their goals. What are you seeing as some of the most important things that matter to them? Well, that's a great question. And my answer might be a little um, what you weren't expecting. And it's coordination and support in breaking down silos and working with other stakeholders. Uh, What we're finding with the magnitude of risks that are coming with a changing climate is that you're not going to be able to solve these issues by just focusing on what's in front of you. We have to recognize the interdependence, and that means how we relate to other entities and infrastructure and how we might be impacted by one another. That's really, so there's a huge human element there to break down the silos and communicate better. So I'll go over to you, Jessica. What are you seeing when you're out in the field working on your projects regarding water and other measures? I think one of the key components within remediation when it comes to sustainability is that it's easy to get into the mindset that since we're already doing site cleanup, that we're doing a good thing. And so that's good enough. But there's so much available resources within the industry that make it easy to identify those incremental steps that can be taken to improve the outcome um, that 
even though it seems like a small thing now, because these projects last for 30 years, the compounding return is extreme. And Malin, I'll go over to you. What are you seeing, especially when it comes to identifying cost measures for the clients that you're working with on those projects? The clients that I work for are predominantly manufacturing clients. And what we find is that our clients have a really good understanding of how much it costs to run their business and how much their materials and equipment cost, but they don't have a good sense for how much the water that they're using, the electricity that they're using costs. And so when we can come in and show them that not only can they be more sustainable by reducing their impact, they can also benefit their bottom line that really helps them to make those decisions. So I want to talk a little bit about, and I'll start with you, Jessica. What is one of the most fascinating projects that you've worked on in the most recent years? And was there anything about that project regarding sustainability, climate change that surprised you or that you learned yourself? I think one of the key projects and technologies that I've worked on is our thermal in-situ remediation approach that is a solar-based approach. It's called TISSER. And it's a technology that we developed with the DOD through some of their funding programs. And we've been able to apply at some of their sites. And it capitalizes on naturally occurring conditions and looks at how to enhance those using solar power. So rather than having to use grid energy, right, that creates emissions, we're taking that natural solar power, using that to then provide the heating as we put fluid back into the subsurface. And then through that, we're making all the bugs in the ground happy (laughs) and they're doing the work for us. So we're cutting down on materials, we're cutting down on waste, we're using efficient energy. And it's so nice to see all these concepts come together in one place, in one technology. And it seemed like such a small thing, but it decreased life cycle of the remedies by five or 10 years. And over a 15 to 30 year remedy, that's a big deal. Malin, I'll go over to you. This may not be necessarily a surprise, but I think the key takeaway I've found from my recent projects is how we as consumers can have an impact on sustainability. I think it's easy to From my perspective, I see how much water these large industries are using, and it can feel a little bit like, well, if I take a shorter shower, what good does that do when these guys are pumping water as fast as they can? But what I've realized is that by changing my consumer habits and being more considerate about what I buy, I then can help to drive which companies I'm supporting and help those companies to make better decisions. That is fascinating. So that brings me over to you, Carly. So since Malin brought it up, let's go there, right? What can our listeners do to impact either climate change or sustainability? What are your thoughts on that, Carly? I think the biggest thing is to get involved locally. Um, A lot of my work is around stakeholder and community engagement and helping communities build the capacity to address these issues, build the skills and knowledge necessary. And one of my dreams is that folks see civic engagement as essential to daily life as grocery shopping. And by getting involved, you'll be more likely to understand the issues and the things that are happening that are driving maybe a lack of sustainability or improved sustainability. And you'll also recognize the ways in which you'll be able to influence 
Great answer. I want to talk a little bit about your leadership skills as women. Um, STEM typically has been male-dominated, but we're gaining ground and we're all working together in an inclusive environment that's super important to find the solutions that we need to reach our CADIS goals, as well as what the clients are asking us for, too. And I want to get to each one of you. So, Maylin, I'm going to start with you. None of our careers, including myself, have a straight line, or nor did they come out the way that maybe we thought they did. Could you talk to our listeners about what you've learned about leadership skills and working in the STEM field? So I think that the biggest thing I've learned about leadership in STEM, especially as it relates to women, is the more empathetic you can be towards your clients, towards the teams that you're leading, towards the teams that you're participating in, the better you're going to understand the problem that you're facing, the better you're going to be able to communicate about it, and the better you're going to be able to work together to come up with a strong solution for it. So I think that's something that stereotypically women are thought of as being really good at. And it's something that if you can grow that, I think you'll find that you come up with better solutions. And empathy really is a superpower. I love it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, I'll go to you. What What have you learned about yourself regarding leadership skills working in the STEM field? I think one of the key things I've learned about myself, because I'm one of those perpetual students that I just love to learn the new things and how things are evolving, is that even though I'm learning it because of my curiosity, I got in early. So I might still feel like I'm new, but I know more than other people. So that doesn't mean I can't share my knowledge, right? And be excited about it and get others excited about it. And that really leads to that leadership, building that team around you, having that support network that you're able to bounce ideas off of and help continue evolve the thought process, I think is a big component, especially in some of these emerging thought areas. And it's so interesting how learning is a journey. It's not a destination. Carly, weigh in on what you've learned about the key to leadership for you in your role as an associate vice president here at Arcadis. What have you learned about yourself and what could you share with us about the component of leadership? This concept of multiplying, you know, multiplying the impact that you have and the knowledge that you have working in a field like this where the challenges can be so broad and deep, it can often feel like you're like a little cheese grater on a mountainside. And we need a lot more cheese graters. And so not being afraid to share that knowledge is, is really important. I think sometimes people protect what they know because they're afraid of being replaced. But you should also remember that if you can't be replaced, you can't be promoted. Great point, Carly. We appreciate that input. I want to touch now a little bit on something I hope our listeners find super interesting, and that is what is a day in the life like of what you do? So people can kind of visually think about what is it like working on some of these massive projects? Well, I love my job partly because it's never the same. It's always different. I often end up feeling like a little spider in the middle of a web trying to build connections to help address the challenges that we face. And so right now, for example, I'm working on a large regional flood 
management planning project. I'm working with 11 different municipalities, multiple state agencies, but also multiple community-based organizations, community members. We have a community advisory council and also a really diverse team of professionals that is helping to work through these challenges, scientists, planners, technology developers, building sort of new digitization ways to communicate and also process information. And so most of my days are spent having many, many conversations and interpreting sort of technical information that comes my way and struggling through to find ways to kind of communicate that succinctly in, in ways that people can take action on. Carly, I need to take a nap even thinking about all that's involved in what you're doing there. But, you know, one of the things, the underlying foundational thing I heard you say, going back to what Malin said about empathy and that listening and meeting and working all those different organizations, it takes a lot of energy. These are not small projects that these powerful women are leading. I'm super impressed. Malin, I want to go over to you. Take us through what's a typical day in the life for you. Similar to what Carly described, one of the things I like most about my job is that each day is different and I'm learning something new every day and challenged by something new every day. So on any given day, I find myself frequently traveling to client sites where I get to walk through their manufacturing facilities and learn about how they make whatever it is they're making. So I've gotten to travel to really fun places as a result of that. And when I'm not out in the field learning about what my clients are doing and helping to support them in it, uh, just like Carly said, I'm spending a lot of time at my desk, working with my teams both internally and externally to respond to our clients' problems, help them proactively get out ahead of them. So yeah, a lot of time in meetings, a lot of time thinking through these problems and then communicating out a path forward. And Jessica, I'll go to you as a subject matter expert with resiliency and remediation. Walk us through it. What's it like? Yeah, I just want to reiterate what the other lady said. I love my job, right? We have great jobs. And uh, a lot of that is the dynamic nature of the job. And so while I got into environmental to play in the field, right, to be able to be out sampling in nature and, and have all of that, I definitely still get that from time to time. And I'm fortunate to work with a lot of great people that are still collecting that data in the field and getting to see the amazing sunrises and then coming back into the office and analyzing that data and being able to work with the teams to understand what are the, the key things that are driving in directions. So working through the data to understand the key points and then how can we act then on those key points to get a more sustainable solution, to have a more resilient solution, to have something that will help us overcome the immediate need, but will also, you know, be a good solution 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road when we're still trying to achieve our target outcomes. So having that wider vision of both the immediate and the future needs is is how I spend most of my time and helping to coach teams on that, helping people to 
get those views. Well, this has been fascinating. We want to thank Malin and Jessica and Carly. And, you know, if you think of the equation of the totality of what they do as powerful and impactful women here at Arcadis, empathy plus curiosity plus building connections equals leading to really viable solutions that help Arcadis get to the goals that it needs to get for our environment and our ecosystems that only make us better. I want to thank each of you for joining us. Thank you so much. And we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us as we celebrate women's goals and achievements on the international stage, recognizing how far we've come and where we are headed. <laughs>